Let's, let's dive, dive right into our recalibrate message. This is our last one. We're finishing up the series today. I think this is part eight. We're going to be talking about recalibrating our mind. So let's get your Bibles, your sermon notes, whatever you use to open up the Bible. Open up to Galatians chapter six. Woo! Galatians chapter five, I mean five, yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, five. Four, five, six, one of those chapters. Galatians chapter five, recalibrate. We've been talking about recalibrating different areas and remember recalibrate's about three words. It's about the standard. What are we measuring by? If you're gonna be successful at something, you gotta find out what's the standard that you're measuring by. What? What's the standard for a good employee, good boss, good husband, good wife, good whatever? What's our standard? What am I trying to hit? Number two, what's the difference? What's the difference and how far am I off? So here's where I am. Here's the standard. What's the difference? And then the third step is the conformity step. The conformity step is what am I going to do about the difference? It's like when you got your end of the quarter grades and you found out you got a C and if the standard is an A for you in your life, then you got a gap between an A and C. And what am I going to do to bridge that gap to bring my grade up to the standard? And you got some changes you got to make. You got to apply some things into your life. So when we're talking about this, it's very important for us to know what our standard is. Our standard is the Word of God, our standard is the Bible. Jesus is our standard, He's the one we're measuring by. We're not measuring against the worst person we know. <laughs> Sometimes we measure our standard against the the average. Don't measure the standard against average. You're not average. You're better than average. So we measure our standard against God. Well, you're saying I'm supposed to be like God. We're supposed to use him as our goal. Again, we've talked about that. Then our different step, again, how far am I off? Once I realize I'm not meeting the standard, here's what we don't do. Once I figure out that my experience doesn't match the heavenly example, we do not change the heavenly example to match my experience. In other words, I don't bring the standard down. I don't create a new theology that matches my experience. My experience needs to go up to the standard of heaven. So we we talked about that. So now the conformity step. I want to get into this today. What am I going to exchange? When we're talking about recalibrating our mind, The standard is about what am I supposed to think like? What's my example? My example is heaven. My example are thoughts of heaven. Matthew says this, Jesus said to pray this way, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So our standard is we're supposed to think like heaven. That's our standard. Our standard is not supposed to be earthly. We're supposed to think like heaven. When people say, well, don't be so heavenly minded, you're of no earthly good. I don't agree with that statement. I think too many times we're not as earthly good as we could be because our mind's not as much on heaven as it should be. But when I talk about being on heaven, I'm not talking about a place where I get out of here. I'm talking about a system that God has put in here. Okay, that's more, we we can't go into there. We gotta stay. So now, stay focused. So then after that, we talk about our standard. Then the difference with my experience is what I'm doing in my life. So the conformity, when we're talking about the conformity step, you got Galatians chapter 5, verse 7. We're going to talk about what do I exchange? What do I exchange? If I'm going to change anything in my life, I've got to make a change from where I am to change where I want to be. Change what I'm believing for change what I should be believing. Change what I'm saying, what I should be saying. Change what I'm doing for what I should be. There has to be a change. If you will fail to change something, you're destined to repeat something. 
So we gotta, we got to change something in our life. So will I make an exchange or will I make an excuse? Will I make an excuse for my situation? Will I make an excuse for my grade and say, well, the teacher doesn't like me? Well, the, the people at work, my boss has it out for me. Nobody likes me. Nobody appreciates it. It's their fault. It's their fault. It's them. It's them. It's them. It's not me. It's not me. It's them. If we will continue to buy into that thinking, we will always blame others for our situation. And we will never change what we blame. We have to take ownership for it. we got to realize that I'm the one that needs to change my thinking. Do people maybe have it out for me? Maybe. Do people maybe not want to cha- treat you fairly? Maybe. But you still have power in yourself to make the decisions to change your life. So we got to make an exchange. So look at, look at Galatians chapter 5. I'm going to start reading verse 7 as soon as I get there. I had my Bible open in the wrong place. Galatians 5, where are you? Here we are. Verse 7. It says, you ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. We're going to talk about leaven today. We're going to talk about recalibrating the mind. But look what it says in verse 7. You ran well. Now when it says you ran well, we're not talking about you're a great track star. We're talking about you was really fast. The word ran means to make progress, to to advance, to move forward, to make decisions. It, it talks about how you, your behavior or conduct, to make progress in one's behavior or conduct. So he says, you ran well. In other words, you were making progress in life. Your behavior, your conduct, you were making good decisions, you're making good choices. You were moving forward. You were advancing. You made some mistakes once in a while. Maybe you took one step back, but you took two steps forward. You were making progress. How many knows it's about making progress and not about perfection? We're not trying to be perfect in this life. We're trying to make progress in this life. Don't be discouraged when you're not perfect. Just make sure you're making progress. Am I better today than I was yesterday? If your answer is no, now your new goal is to be better tomorrow than you are today. It's not to wallow in it. Well, I'm I'm worse than I was yesterday, so I guess I'm a failure. You're not a failure. Keep going. Keep making progress. You don't fail until you quit till you give up, till you stop moving. But he's telling us here, he said, you ran well, you were making progress, everything was going forward. But look what happened. He says, who hindered you? That word hindered means to cut into or to cut off, to impede one's course. They talked about it, illustrated this by someone with enemies sometimes would cut up or chop up a road and make it difficult for an army to move its weapons and move everything. They would literally chop up the road, put obstacles in the way. This was the strategy. He says, you were running well, you were making good progress, but who cut up your road? Who hindered your travel? Another definition of it that they gave was to cause an offense to someone, to irritate or to trouble. You were making progress and something cut you off And it irritated you or troubled you. How many when you're driving? (laughs) You know where I'm going. You're cruising along. Everything's going good. And you see that car getting ready to pull out. And you say to them, don't you do it. Don't you, don't you. You did it. She did it. He did it. 
They pulled out. I can't believe. So they pull out, and they pull out with not a care in the world about what they're doing for the day. Just like la-di-da. And you come screeching up right behind them. And I know most of you in that moment, you start praying for them and blessing them. And say, God bless you. I hope they have a great day. Lord, I just thank you for this person. I know you guys do that. But some people out there, they get irritated. They get agitated in those moments. When someone cuts them off, when they're trying to make progress, and now you go from 50 miles an hour to 20 miles an hour, you're like, whoa, my progress has been hindered. It cuts you off. It brings irritation to you. Well, the same thing can happen here. He said, you were making great progress, but something hindered you. The word offense is the word used. How many knows some of the best strategies that the enemy uses sometimes when we're making progress in our life is to cut us off with an offense? We can be cruising along in life on our journey, just loving God, serving God. Everything's going great, and then that happens. What's your that? Something happens and an offense cuts you off. It could be a very real thing to you. It could be something someone done, did to you. It could be something that happened to you and it cuts you off. And all of a sudden, you are making great progress and bam, he puts an offense in your way to try and stop your progress. How many of those an offense is not about the thing that happened as much as it is a strategy of the enemy to stop you and I from moving forward? You know the reason the enemy likes to bring disappointment and discouragement across our path is because he wants to keep us from moving forward. Because, you know, we can't stop offenses from coming. The enemy's going to try and cut you off. You couldn't stop that person from pulling out in front of you. You know you want to if you could. You saw them edging out there, and you're like, no, 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 they didn't. You couldn't stop them from doing it. So you couldn't control them, but you could control you can control your reaction to what they did. We're not going to say what you could do. Hopefully all of you, we'll just let you meditate on that for a moment. So you can't control them, but you can control you. You can control what happens to you. The Bible says it's impossible that offenses will not come. So let me encourage you through something that may not sound very encouraging. Offenses are going to try and cut you off all the time. You just got to not let them stop your progress. Maybe it slows you down. I get it. But don't let it stop you. I'm still going where I want to go. But he says, you were making great progress, but who hindered you from obeying the truth? That word obeying there means to convince or persuade someone to believe something. And to act on the basis of what they believe. How many knows that what we believe determines our behavior? It really happens. What you believe is how you'll behave. So when we want to change our behavior, we got to change how we think so we can change what we believe. And if I change what I believe, I'll change how, how, how I behave. And this is what he's saying. You were making great progress, but something happened to prevent you from obeying the truth. Something happened to change your belief. And let's see what he's talking about. The only way, I found this, the only way to cut us off from obeying the truth is to cut us off with a lie. Here's the strategy what the enemy will do. To prevent us from believing the truth, he will try and get us to believe a lie. How many of you can't believe the opposites of the same thing to both be true? 
You can't believe both of them. If they're total opposites, you can't believe, well, they're both true. They can't both be true. So what happens to prevent us from believing the truth about what God says about us, the enemy wants you to believe a lie about what God says. This is what happened to Adam and Eve. It happens to us all the time. He cuts us off and he presents a lie in our thoughts. A lie comes to you in your mind. It's a thought. Happened to me this week. Happens to me all the time. I don't know about you, but you know our battlefield is in our mind. If we can win the battle of our thought life, we're going to make great progress in our life. I tell you, the enemy is going to plant thoughts, and he started, he started whispering. And here's the problem. The lie may very well be factual. Here's the best way he gets us to buy into a lie is he presents it as facts. Just because a lie is factual doesn't mean it's the truth. He says, who hindered you from obeying the truth? And he, well, here's what hindered me from obeying the truth. He presented a fact. And we look at it and we go, yep, yep, that's, that's the way it is. It is what it is. And so we buy it based on the fact and we buy the fact and we stay hit and it blocks us and hinders us from obeying the truth that will pull us out of the fact. I'm not saying it's not a fact. I'm just saying there's a truth that will pull me through my current facts. But if I don't believe the truth, then that fact will stop my progress. I will not get any better, but I've got to believe the truth that is bigger than my fact. What facts in your life need to be trumped by the truth? Need to be, have something superior come into our life. And this is what he said. Something hindered you from obeying the truth. A lie cuts you off in traffic. A lie cuts you off in your life uh, journey. I was doing fine, but I started believing that about myself. I started believing less about myself. I started believing what they said about myself. And once I started believing what they said instead of what he said, all of a sudden my progress began to come to a complete stop. But at some point, we got to recalibrate our mind where we believe what God says and not what people say. We got to believe what God says and not what our own thoughts say. He may present a fact to you, and you look at it and say, okay, I recognize that's the fact, but I believe the truth, and I will know the truth, and the truth will make me free. That's what he's telling us. So look what else happens. He says, now, this uh, who hindered you from obeying the truth, verse 8, this persuasion, everybody say persuasion. Persuasion, persuasion. This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. The word persuasion means an influence that has won you over. Where does influence come? In our mind. So he says, you are making great progress in your Christian life. You are making great progress in serving God. But something happened and all of a sudden it stopped your progress. This influence in your life that has changed you, that you've bought into, that has made you to change your behavior, this persuasion does not come from him who calls you. Now that word calls there is a word used for to direct or address by proper name. You know what that speaks to me? Is that when we've bought into a lie and we're not doing what God says us to do, or not says, says, When we're not, it was over there. And we're not doing what God says to do, but better than that, we're not becoming who God says that we are. 
when we're not doing that, we've bought a lie, then when we realize that situation, then we've got to see that God has wants to direct us and say, hey, there's a lie that you've bought in here somewhere. You've believed the wrong thing. And he tells us here that uh, this, when he calls you by proper name, he starts to say, Chad, like say I bought into that and I started thinking this way and I started acting this way. He, say, he says, Chad, Hey, this, this persuasion, this thing that has influenced your mind, which is therefore influencing your behavior, that does not come from him who calls you by your name. In other words, I know you. God knows you better than anybody else. And he says, Chad, that's not who you are. That's not who I created you to be. This is what we've got to learn. For us to come out of wrong behavior is not to point out wrong behavior. To come out of wrong behavior is to recognize right identity. And when we will recognize who he's called us to be, we will come out of who we were and become who he created us to be. He calls you by name. He calls you personally. God doesn't say, well, you stop doing that. They're terrible. You're worthless sinner. That's not what he says. He starts calling you by name, and he pulls you out of that. I wish I could say I did this successfully all the time. But there's times when I'll buy a lie, a thought will come to me, and I'll buy the lie. Usually it's some pity party, how I'm mistreated and unappreciated. (laughs) I'm boiling it down to probably that's what it comes down to. And so then I buy into that lie because it sounds really good. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Nobody appreciates me. Yeah. I get into I start throwing a little cheer session. It's like a little pep session for some me. Crowd's going wild inside my head. Chad, Chad, Chad. Give me a C. Give me an H. Give me an A. Give me a D. Chad, Chad, Chad. So anyway, it happens. This is what happens in my head. And then, all right, I'll come back. So anyway, I... This happens, and once I buy that lie and I start engaging those thoughts, all of a sudden I start closing in on myself. And you know what? God will let you believe that lie. And he will say, I'll be like, I'll be miserable feeling. How many has ever felt a way and you knew that wasn't the way you were supposed to feel, but you, it felt so comfortable in the moment you just didn't want to get out of it? You're like, I know I'm not supposed to have these thoughts. I know I'm supposed to, not supposed to think this way. I'm not, I, know that. I know that's what I'm supposed to do. But this just feels all comfy and cozy. So you embrace it. You love it. You kiss it. You call it George. You just get all cozy in it. Some of you don't understand that reference. Just let the old people laugh. So now, so we, we embrace this and God will let me do it. And he'll come to me sometimes like this and say, Chad, you can stay this way as long as you want, but it's not who you are. He'll say, he'll, I'll feel these things like this, like, Chad, how's this feel? Terrible. You want to stay this way? No. But it feels this way, God. I know. But here's the truth. Do you want to embrace the truth? Doesn't feel like the truth. In that moment, conformity. I can stay in the reality of where I feel or I can move into the reality of what he says. And moving into the reality of what he says means you go against your feelings and you move by faith.
It's a leap of faith. It's a step of I believe what God says more than how I feel. We've got to move in that. And this is what he says to us. He said, listen, you were making great progress, but something hindered you. This persuasion doesn't come from the one who calls you by name. He knows who you are. But look at verse 9. He says, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. A lot of, there's some alliteration right there. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. A lot of L's. Little leaven. What does leaven do? I'm not a baker. I'm going to pretend to. But leaven talks about yeast that causes dough to rise. Causes it to rise. And he says, a little leaven gets in there, causes the whole thing to rise up. So now leaven... Notice what it says, this persuasion. Where does persuasion come from? It comes in our thoughts. This persuasion doesn't come from him who calls you a little leaven. Leaven's the whole lump. So what is leaven? Leaven in our life speaks of influences on our mind. Influences on our thought. So I'm going to talk about three influences, three leavens that we deal with every day. And we either agree with one of these three leavens. One is the leaven of Herod. One, two is the 11 of the Pharisees, and three is the 11 of the kingdom. Let's go to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. The influences on our lives rise to the surface. I'm going to start reading in verse 14, or 13. It says, he left them and getting into the boat again, departed to the other side. Now the disciples had forgotten. This is right after they fed 4,000 people with just a few loaves and fish. So it's another miracle. Not the 5,000, this was the 4,000. This is the second time. And so he fed them with that. It's a miracle. It's awesome. They saw the bread multiply. And in verse 13, he left them again, getting in the boat, departed to the other side. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread. And they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. Then Jesus said, how many of us I love sometimes when Jesus says things that in the moment it seems like it's totally out of context and makes no sense. And he's really making a point. Then Jesus charged them saying, just imagine this out of nowhere. You've just been talking about we forgot the bread. We've only got one loaf. They were hungry. Hey, you got bread? Yeah, we just got one loaf. And all of a sudden Jesus says, take heed. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Random. Totally Random. I can imagine they're talking amongst themselves and say, dude, what's that all about? What's, what's up with the leaven? And so here's what they came up with. They came up in verse 16. They said, it's because we have no bread. That's, that's Jesus. He's a little upset. He's hungry. You're not you when you're hungry. He's getting all cranky. Give him a Snickers. So this is what he said so beware, beware of the leaven of Herod and the leaven of the Pharisees. What is he talking about? He's talking about influences on the mind. So let's break them down. What's the leaven of Herod? He specifically pointed out two things. So Jesus doesn't just say things random. The leaven of Herod represents the worldly mindset or the atheistic mindset. The leaven of Herod is entirely absent of God. This is thinking that's removed God from the picture any whatsoever. He says, be careful, watch out for the leaven of Herod. This is an atheistic influence in the world, in society, and culture. This is self-made people, that they do things based on their own efforts, their own energy, their own accomplishments, their own determination, their own discipline. This is a, a mindset that says, we do for ourselves. We're the ones that do it. We pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. This is the Herod leaven 
that gets into our mind that we don't need God, we just need me some me. Be careful of the leaven of Herod. Be careful for mindset and thoughts that take you away from a dependency on God. When we start to agree with thoughts that say, I don't need God, the leaven of the Pharisee is rising in my life, or of Herod is rising in my life. Watch out for that leaven. Second one, leaven of the Pharisees. This is the religious system. You would think they were complete opposites, but he said, watch out for both of them. Watch out for an atheistic mindset and watch out for a religious mindset. You would think those would be diametrically, diametrically opposed to one another, but he puts them in the same sentence. Watch out for the religious system. Here's the mindset or the leaven of the Pharisee. The leaven of the Pharisee embraces God in theory, but not in practice or experience. The leaven of the Pharisee has a focus on the knowledge about God, but doesn't want any experience or encounter with God. They have God in form, but not in power. The religious leaven makes it about our goodness as what makes our relationship with God good. The leaven of the Pharisees is that how good I am determines how good we are. The leaven of the Pharisees starts to speak to things in our life when I'm doing bad or I'm feeling bad, therefore I can't come to God. He's mad at me, doesn't want to talk to me because I didn't read my Bible every day. Or maybe I did something bad. Or maybe I've been fighting with my spouse. Or, or maybe I've done this. Maybe I made this big mistake. Maybe I made this bad choice. And because of that, I can't go to God. I can't go to church and worship God. I can't raise my hand this week. I've been bad this week. It's been a bad week. I've lost my temper. I blew it. I can't do it. No, I, I don't deserve it. I, don't earn, I haven't earned it. I don't deserve to worship God. That's the leaven of the Pharisee. That means that it's about our goodness instead of about his goodness. Because the kingdom leaven that we'll talk about in a moment means it's not about what we do, it's about what he did. And the leaven of Pharisee wants us to continue to earn our relationship with God. It wants us to earn our right standing with God. That we've got to be good little boys and girls and then God will want to talk to us. That's the leaven of the Pharisee. He says, watch out for that. Watch out. Be careful when you have thoughts about that you have to deserve your relationship with God. You'll never deserve it. You'll never deserve it. You'll never earn it. You'll never be good enough to worship. Hey, I've been good this week. I can worship. It's never going to happen. So are you saying I can just sin, do whatever I want? You can. We'll see how that works out for you. He'll let us do it. But his ways are better. The truth is better than the lie. See, watch out for both, watch out for both leavens, but look on the next one. Kingdom leaven. Matthew 13, 33. Here's the kingdom leaven that we want to embrace. It says another parable he spoke to them, spoke to them, said, The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid three measures of meal till it was all leavened. Here's the leaven of heaven, the leaven of the system of heaven. Romans 14, 17 says it this way, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Here's the kingdom leaven. Righteousness. Righteousness. The kingdom leaven is my righteousness is not based on Chad Ever. My righteousness is based on the shed blood of Jesus Christ and my faith and love dedicated to him. His righteousness becomes my righteousness. My righteousness is as filthy rags. Here's what happens. You buy a lie. I'm not good. 
I need to pull away from God or better yet say that sometimes the lie is God's pulled away from me. When you're not good, we need to run to God, not away from God. Religious mindset continues to bombard our mind. And I'm not just talking about you, I'm talking about me. There's times when I know I'm not doing or thinking what I should think and I just don't feel like I should have a great experience with God. We've got to break out of that and realize that it is his goodness that determines my righteousness. Righteousness, peace. Now the kingdom of heaven, peace is what he's wanting to rise up in me. Peace that passes all understanding. Peace that goes beyond what I can understand. And then joy, righteousness, peace, joy. Joy of the Lord is my strength. Joy of the Lord that is unspeakable and full of glory. That's the kind of leaven that he wants rising up inside of you. Your righteousness is not of you. He wants you to be filled with peace and he wants you to have the joy of the Lord. That's his leaven. So are you in a situation you don't feel peace? You need to let the kingdom leaven come to the surface. Now, how does this happen? Here's the fun part. If you have leaven or yeast in some dough and it's not rising, you can set it close to a source of heat and the heat will activate the yeast and cause it to rise. Heat activates yeast. Heat activates leaven, makes it rise to the surface. This is good news and bad news. (laughs) It's really all good news, but I want to show you something that happens. These leavens, these three, Herod, Pharisees, and kingdom, they're all alive today, and they affect how we think and live. But the fire of difficulty, heat, or agitation in our life causes whatever's dominant to rise to the surface. Oh, come on. Remember, who hindered you? Somebody cut you off, agitated, irritated you? When the heat is on in our life, when it's on the street, when it's inside your head. (laughs) Sorry. Just got to let those go. So whenever the heat is on in our life, whatever leaven is the most dominant comes to the surface. Just when you thought, yeah, I'm, I've got my temper down. I'm, I'm good. I don't have any problem with that anymore. Let's put the heat to it. Put the heat to it. Oh, I'm patient as a day is long. I'm just as patient as can be. Let's put some heat on it, see what happens. Oh, what rise? Whoa, 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 where did that come from? It was leaven. Now, here's the good part. God never allows it to rise to the surface to rub our nose in it. He never allows it to rise to the surface to condemn you and kick you in the gut. He allows it to rise to the surface so that we know it's there and that we will recalibrate our mind and realize that, oh, I've got to get that out of my life. It's just like when they're purifying metal, they add extreme heat to that metal till all the impurities come to the surface. They call it dross, and they take it away, and what's left is more pure than what was there before the heat. But sometimes we don't want to walk through the heat. We don't want to go through those. But God sometimes will bring heat into our life. First Peter says it this way. He says in verse 7, that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire. Though it's tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The genuineness of your faith. You know, sometimes the genuineness of my walk with God is never going to be proven until the heat 
reveals impurities. I don't like it sometimes. There's situations like, okay, I'm dealing with this frustration. You know that person pulls out in front of you? The heat just went up in the car. Something's going to come to the surface. Depending on your mood that day may, be, may determine what comes out. And this is what he's saying. When the heat's on, when the pressure's on, when things aren't going your way, when things aren't happening, everybody's wonderful when things are all wonderful. Everybody says all the right things when things are going good. We're all happy. We're excited. Yeah, God bless you. Oh, it's a great day. It's awesome. But when the heat's on, we get in the pressure cooker of life. That's when the leaven starts to come up, and we want the kingdom leaven to rise to the surface in pressure situations. When the heat is on, we want to know that what God has put in us, our thoughts are lining up with what God says. Just because you have a thought doesn't mean that's who you are. just means you need to categorize. Oh, wait a minute, that came to the surface? Okay, let me look at that. Does that line up with him who calls me? If it doesn't line up with him who calls me, I'm going to take that thought captive and bring it in obedience to the one who knows me by name. To one who knows me and says, Chad, this is who you are. This is who I've called you to be. This is what I say about you. Stop believing the lie and get back on the road to progress. But see, when, unless we change our thinking, we're not going to experience that transformation. Romans 12, 2, familiar portion of scripture for some. You may have never read it before, but it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed be transformed by renewing your what? By renewing your what? One more time. Mind. See, how are we going to transform our life? By renewing the way we think. we got to change the way we think. And when we change the way we think, now we'll begin to change the way we believe. We change the way we believe. We change the way we behave. So now, whenever the heat's on and the leaven comes up, I've got to see, is there any leaven in my life that says, I don't need God, I can do it on my own? That leaven will leaven the whole lump. Because remember, sometimes we just put it in categories. I, God, you can have those areas of my life, but I just want to run the show in this area. I'll submit to God in all these other areas, I just want to have my little area where I run the show. A little leaven levels the whole lump. You can't have little categories where you're the boss or you'll want to be the boss everywhere. That's what, that's what happens. You can't, you can't have categories where I say, well, I totally submit to God except for these couple areas. But it's really no big deal. They're just, they don't matter. A little leaven me being the boss starts to spread into other areas and this is what he's saying are there areas in my life where I'm not releasing the leaven of the kingdom I'm releasing the, le the leaven of Herod or the Pharisees but it, notice there are, the, there are areas where I'm transformed look at let me, some, let me just end with this part as we're recalibrating our minds what is the standard for my thinking Thank you, Lord. What is my experience? What am I exchanging? Here's what I'm going to ask you today. Are you willing to exchange a thought, a mindset about yourself that's a lie for the truth? Are you willing to exchange a fact, present reality, 
for a promise of a future truth that you have to believe by faith? Can you do it? Can you say, God, I don't feel that right now. This is how I feel. This is how I feel about me. This is how I feel about the situation. He says, I know, I get it. That's okay. I understand you feel that way, but this is the truth. Will you exchange how you feel for what he says? Is there a lie that you've bought in your life? I want you to examine. Is there a lie about me? Is there a lie about my husband, about my wife, about my kids, about my job, about whatever it may be? What lie have I bought into hook, line, and sinker? And because I believed it wholeheartedly, it stopped my progress in my relationship with God. 